This is Fear and Trembling, a podcast of Heart Awake Ministries, where pastors and guests share in community together as we talk about how the gospel impacts everyday life. We gather around the microphone following the Apostle Paul's wisdom to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Hey, welcome back to the Fear and Trembling podcast, gentlemen. Uh, I'm Aaron, but uh, welcome back. Hi, I'm Darwin. I'm the executive pastor here at Hardaway Ministries. I'm uh, Pastor JB, or you can just call me JB. I am the old new guy, as in I was the new guy, or am I still the new guy? Are you the young like new the, guy? The yeah. young new. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> and you're, you're the, the right one. reverend, right? The right reverend. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I, I'm Bill, Pastor Bill with Celebration. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, this this time go round. That's some really good English. This is why you, you made me the MC. Yeah. So, we, ooh, you make some really good, good words for you. Um, you know, we're diving into a book. Uh, it's more theological in nature. Theology is simply put words about God. Right. Uh, if that's fair, fair to say, sure. gentlemen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott Knight, Mc, Scott Knight, Scott McKnight uh, wrote a book called "A Community Called Atonement." And uh, as we sort of talked about this book prior to coming together on the podcast, um, I, I think for myself, we're, you know, since we're getting into terms and words, uh, I thought it was helpful for us to maybe talk about before we dive into atonement and the idea of that. They talk about just the importance of words. When we talk about being in community as we're having conversation together, the importance of what we mean by our words in understanding others and what they mean by words. So why do you feel that's important for relationship, for community as we get, get started? Well, Aaron, the thing that crossed my mind as I was pondering this is I got to thinking in my own life how I need to let words be bridges to people rather than an end in themselves. When I'm focused on words as an end in themselves, it's me getting it right, me and my own sense of righteousness, rather than a bridge to communication. We need to get our words connected with people. It's not just about a word for me, but it's a word between us. And that seemed to be one of the places that I've had to grow over the years because I was much more about having the right word and trying to win the argument with that right word. That's I had to see him as a bridge to communication. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a shared word. And but understanding it, is the other. Yeah. 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 And how when, and we see, we've, we see that all the time in our culture now where people are using words that they are meaning a certain thing but other people are thinking the words mean something else, and now all of a right. sudden there's this clash right. because we're not hearing, we're not listening, we're not building bridges, we're, and it becomes really problematic. Yeah, we're, we're winning arguments, not communicating with one another. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I actually think in community we don't spend enough time on this issue in the sense that in our conversations with people, um, we often feel restrained to reach out and to say to someone, well, what exactly do you mean by that term? Exactly. Um, because I, I have this, like JB was saying, I have this idea of what you're trying to say, um, but if I don't understand how you're using a particular term or in a description or to describe something, 
then I'm going to hoist a meaning on that that may not be accurate, and that breaks down communication. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, and I think um, even in reading, I think, I think sometimes um, it's even more challenging reading because you're, you're reading how an author uses a term, um, and I struggled a lot with that in his book. Um, he's using a term in a certain way, but I don't really fully grasp um, his intent or his, his meaning behind that term. And so it makes understanding what the author is trying to say really, really difficult. And I don't want to jump to a conclusion, and I don't want to judge it negatively based on my lack of understanding of what he's trying to communicate. Yeah, yeah I would run into that in reading older books. I would take a newer meaning of the word and just kind of place that into an yeah. older thing and would miss that time, that communication across time. Right. Um, so there's different ways that we, we miss the communication bridge that words can be. It's, it's always less than 100%, but you want to get closer to 90 than yeah. 40. Yeah. Good grief. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'm hearing a great, a lot of great stuff right there of everything from using our words as bridges, Yeah, right? It, mm-hmm. That this is something that can bring us together, which changes in a complete posture, right, of how we enter into conversation of going, hey, I want to be in with you. Like, let's talk together. Let, this is an opportunity for relationship instead of an opportunity to win, you know, right. Bill, as I right. kind of heard that. And understanding, JB, as you're talking about it, the importance of understanding each other um, mm-hmm. versus, and like Darwin said, it's easy. I know I can put meaning. I can put words into people's mouths. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and what happens? We, we get into conflict. We get into trouble. And... And it really halts us, right? Yeah, they become a wall and not a bridge. Right. Yeah, so I think about what Bill was saying earlier, and the the illustration always comes to my mind and bounces around is um, the phrase or the statement, um, he's a bad boy. (laughs) Um, What does bad mean? Does it mean naughty or does it mean cool? (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And, And so, you know, sometimes in theological or even biblical discourse, Words have taken on multiple meanings right. like that, and it's really difficult to discern what the author is trying to say yeah. and which meaning they're, they're using. And that's and then that's the limits of a book, right? right. You yep. know, I think of the uh, the classic uh, psychologist line. So what I hear you saying <laughs> yeah. is, right. you can't ask that of a book, you know, right? Uh, Which, but it, which kind of brings us to, then what are some tools that you use, I mean, tools may not be the word, but what are some tools you use to help you listen well to others then and try to get at meanings versus putting the meanings on? Right. I mean, JB, you kind of alluded to that already. The, so what I hear you say, sort of that active, I mean, that's something that comes to my mind first and foremost is active listening. Sure. Is just being able sure. to pair it back Am I hearing you, you know, am I hearing you? Am I, this is what I'm hearing you say. A friend of mine actually just sent me an, something he had written the other day. And I, I read through the, the article and um, a lot of good writing, but I was a little confused. I couldn't follow all of it. But, you know, I was like, well, this is what I'm hearing you say. Is that correct? And he emailed me back and he said, well, no. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, cool. Can you... Yeah. It allowed me to say, can you give me two or three sentences then that kind of tell me your main point so I could dive back in? And then he gave me 11 more paragraphs, oh. which was great because it was he, you know, as he reflected back to me, it caused him to okay. look back at it, some things and what he was saying. And I'm like, wow. And it brought us together. So that just simple 
this is what I hear you saying. Am I on page? Are we yeah. are we in this together? Mm-hmm. And no, okay. What what other things? Yeah, it's not failure to to say to one another, no, that's not what I'm saying. Right. It that means we've avoided going off on that ditch. Let's take another run at, at making this work, this conversation, this communication. I think also giving people space to process. Okay. Yeah. Um, yep. So not always feeling like you have to respond immediately to something, but the space to process where um, you kind of are wrestling with, do I really understand what they're saying? Um, but also that even when there's sharp disagreement, how do you engage that, continue that conversation in a very proactive way that seeks clarity rather than just reacting it like you have to recoil yeah. and defend a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so it's this active listening, but it's also what is our, our posture going into that conversation Yeah, can, yeah, can really shape that. And I think about that too, because when someone's saying something, oftentimes I, I, I can, res- it's not this simple, but oftentimes I can think, I can kind of assume they're saying something like assume the worst oh, yeah. mm-hmm. oh, or yeah. believe the best. And then when there's a question to actually ask the clarifying question, um, you know, try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. The other piece is, you know, everyone has a story. Mm-hmm. And right. So like our experiences often shape meaning in words. And sometimes words become triggers because of some sure, experience. Right. right. Um, not that, I mean, that still requires conversation because you can make a lot of assumptions based on people's experience, but knowing people's story, I think that's another way of of helping. Well, and that's what I experienced with this book. I had to go back and read it again because some of the, the story and background to things like the emergent church and, um, and how he wrote some things at the very beginning, Mm. I, I ended up going, taking a left-hand turn and I didn't listen well, you know, if I'm honest, to, from to what he was on, trying to yeah. communicate from that point on. When I went back through, yeah. I took on, JB, what you're saying, you know, more of that posture of saying, you know, I, I don't think I was real fair, you know, and I went down. So can I, can I listen? Can I do a better job of listening through this time? And, yeah, I didn't find, like, all kinds of things changed, but I did feel like I could hear what he was saying mm-hmm. a little bit better. And... Yeah. yeah, sometimes it's just, I, you know, I know I jumped to that assumption because right. you said that one word and it triggered for me. Right. <laughs> so knowing your triggers, yeah. too, you know, knowing your own story, knowing your sure. own... <laughs> and, and I think today in this context that we live where it's so polarized, the temptation is try to paint someone with a brush, like place yeah. them in a certain camp, and then yeah. that is going to guide how I respond I'm going to accept or I'm just going to automatically reject because yeah. they're in the other camp. I mean, that's another yeah, right. one. Yep. Once I've got I know you where painted. they're coming from. Once yeah. I've got you painted, I don't need to interact. I just deal with the color. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, boy, I'll jump in here from some things I'm looking at more and more. I feel like the world has given us two colors, but the gospel is a third. Mm-hmm. And so how do we stake out space mm-hmm. that's distinctively gospel? In this, and that takes communication. People need to hear our hearts, be able to hear our hearts, to know that it's different than the two colors of paint that they've got. And even those two colors, it's a spectrum. Because that, right. that's not it even sure true. can be. <laughs> yep, yep. So, so let's jump there because right. atonement is about painting a different color, right? I mean, it's we're talking about the gospel story. Yeah. Um, let me read uh, just his definition since we're talking about words. 
And, and I want to put out there just that question of, so when you think of atonement, how would you define atonement? We'll hear what he has to say. If you want to take issue with him, go for it. Um, <laughs> but what do you say? As we're thinking about what do I mean, what do you mean? Uh, he says, uh, this is on page 36 of his book, atonement itself is a metaphor. So there's another word that probably needs a definition. <laughs> but atonement itself is a metaphor for everything in anything God does for us to make us what he wants to make us in light of who we were, who we are, and who we are meant to be. I'll read that one more time. So atonement is itself is a metaphor for everything and anything God does for us to make us what he wants to make us in light of who we were, who we are, and who we were meant to be. There's a lot there. Yeah. Um, but that's why I asked the question. Atonement. This is a big theological word, a word we use about the work of God. What do you, what do you believe atonement is? And when you use that word, as we're preaching, as we're talking to people, you know, some people are atone what? <laughs> um, what does it mean? He's given us a big definition here, and I must <laughs> confess, when I first saw this, I'm thinking, no, 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 this, this is so big and expansive. Okay that it was just more than I could get around. I kept wanting to think, wait, there's a key act of God, Christ at the cross, if I can squeeze it down to that moment. It's got all these other implications and things that grow out of that. But, boy, when it's just so big, everything, that's everything, okay. it's just hard for me to get around. Okay, so identifying yeah. it to the cross, when yeah. you think of atonement, you think of cross. Yeah. Okay. At least that's where it begins. It yeah. ripples out to everything. Yeah. Okay. I get that. I, I would tend to uh, agree with Bill. I think the, the thing I struggled with there in, in his definition is that the atonement and you know, Christ dying on behalf dying on behalf of our sins and his blood being covering our sins is a historical factual reality. Yeah. It's not a metaphor. And so I think we use metaphors to describe that historical factual reality, but it in itself oh, is not a metaphor. You. Right. Yeah. So the various ways that in things that it does, right, but not the act itself. But not the, yeah, the act right? not the atonement event in of itself. Okay. Yeah. And I felt like he he blurred he blurred that. I, I don't think he would deny the historical act but I think his definition blurs that. Okay. Yeah, it's so big and expansive. Yeah. What about you, JB? Yeah, when I think of the atonement, I think of kind of the, and we've had some conversation, but how, how is the work accomplished, the Christ's death and resurrection, <laughs> how does that accomplish what it, what it, you know, that's kind of where I, and again, um, reading that, it's like, yeah, that is a broad everything and anything and you know in the kitchen sink um yeah but how does christ's work bring us into union with with christ i mean that's kind of how i make us one you know the yeah what are they what at one mint you know or yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah there you go there's a, there's a fun one for y'all yeah. <laughs> at one mint that's that's great yeah. Yeah. yeah i think i mean when i think about atonement um i it brings me to a God's solution for sin if I were to mm -hmm. give one phrase the next thing when I think about atonement is I'd say it's Christ was who I couldn't be and did what I could never do mm -hmm. 
in, in that I, I probably tend to agree a little bit more with McKnight in the, that what does it mean that in his incarnation, in his being human, mm-hmm. in the cross, in the resurrection, in his ascension, and then in his return, um, mm-hmm. which then I would contend with him is he doesn't really talk about return. <laughs> but uh, how does all of who Christ is then in the cross, in that central event, right? How does that bring redemption, reconciliation? You know, how does it make us right with God? How does it solve the sin problem for me and for the world? Yeah, so. and it ripples out from there with that sin problem solved. It drastically affects my relationships with people, my values and the things I, I work for. Right. I mean, it all spreads out from there. But that core was real key for me. And you, yeah, Bill, you used the word implication. Yeah. Which I think, yeah, that seems like a distinct thing. Then mm-hmm. there's implications to a lot of things, but yeah. is the implication the thing? Right. What do the implications say um, for the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in a person's life? Um, I, 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 I struggle and sometimes with his, the broadness of his understanding of atonement because it seemed to collapse or enfold things like spiritual formation. It seemed to enfold the transforming work of the gospel, um, sanctification, or to be made holy. It seemed to collapse everything into atonement. Just one point, yeah. Which I don't actually think is consistent with our experience as people. Okay. That, that, that our experience... Um, which just shape how we read the biblical narrative. Our experience yeah. um, allows us to to see that we have been trans, that we have been saved by God, that we have been forgiven. But then there's that whole transforming aspect of the work of the Spirit in our lives over time. Yeah. And I, I don't. I didn't feel like he left room for that. Um, so, now maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe that's the next book. Um, but <laughs> yeah, we will. I mean, it's another. one of the books of his I haven't read. Um, but it just that that piece and the role that the community plays in that process mm-hmm. just wasn't how should I say clear to me. So then, why is it important that we get clear? This is now as you know us as pastors. Why, yeah, why is it yeah. important that we help people get clear on what atonement is and not muddy those? you know, other turn or other ideas into atonement. Why is atonement so important? Because we're the community of the redeemed, and the atonement is essential to understanding who we are as the people of God and how we relate to each other. Okay. Yeah, that atonement and its fruit is what we carry into the community, in out to, to the whole world. Having that clear so we can carry it clearly uh, would be part of how I would respond to what you're asking. I think one of the things that comes to my mind is it confronts uh, moralism. You know, yeah. if the if I were to really get, you know, we've, we see a lot of moralism in sure. our world. We see a lot of religion outside of just Christianity, but we see a lot of religion getting spewed on social media. And, and if I were to use that term of religion, I, I think of, you know, our creed, I believe this is what we believe cult, which is actually practices, so yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. you know, getting too crazy, but um, as well then our, our behaviors associated. And when we look at culture right now, right, there's a lot of, if you don't believe what I do, if you don't do the things that I do, and if you don't, you know, 
say stand this way or that way, yeah. then I'm going to say no to you, and you you know I don't have to hear you. And they that, they function as religions, right? Right. They, yeah. They may not have the tax status, yeah, but they function in people's lives in the same way. Answer the same existential questions, which goes back to yeah. what I can do. Right, right, and well, that's why for yeah. me that that definition and atonement is it's what Christ has done. Right, because yeah. isn't isn't moralism saying in effect that we don't need atonement that that we're good right. enough to earn our own keep? Yeah. Right, uh, atonement. The doctrine of atonement basically says moralism doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> we need something from outside the system. At least it doesn't work eternally. Right. I mean, right. I think the the challenge moralism is it has certain tangible benefits within our immediate community that we really value, and so the short term, everybody's on board, everybody's behaving properly, everybody's <laughs> doing the right thing. Short term, that feels ultimately really good, but it never delivers on its promise. Yeah. Right. And atonement always delivers on its promise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what, yeah, what is God's work? Yeah. yeah. Atonement, right? Yeah. And our response is something different. You know, so I, that's a, that is something you want to be crystal clear about. Sure. You, yep. you know, it's grace. I, I was going on a run yesterday, and uh, it had just rained. And anyway, mm. I, I see an earthworm that's yeah. struggling Oh. Right, a strong earthworm, but it's going to dry up, and so I pick it up, and I, I bring it through the water, and I throw it in the grass, and I'm like, this is a picture of what only God can do, you know. You are much mm-hmm. better than I. Yeah. <laughs> and then a robin came and ate it, you know, probably five <laughs> minutes later. No. Anyway, a little sidetrack, uh, but yeah, it's God's yeah, work. Right? Yeah, right. we can't hey. do anything absolutely to bring about our own atonement. Yeah. Um, but we, we experience the benefits and we participate, you know, yeah. I mean, there's, anyway. It, it works its way out through us. Right. Yeah. And it, people yeah. experience that rather than moralism. And, and, our, and our calling is, is and essentially as Christians, is, is to testify to the atoning work of Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which gets us to the implications, right? He wrestles with, and, and again, whether, whether I agree with him or not, he's right. wrestling, what are the implications, you know, he... He, I think as I'm listening to us, we would probably say he's blending it in almost too much where you don't, mm-hmm. where you're losing some def- definitions of other things. But what are the implications then of the atonement that you can, you go, all right, we know what it is. We, here's what we hold to. This is why it's important. But as we think about the community, right, he's called community called atonement. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what are the implications then? Of, of the atonement for us, for the community of God? Unifying. Unifying, okay. It, it, it unifies us in understanding um, who God is, and it unifies us in understanding God's work, and it unifies us around the question of what are the implications of the atonement for our life together. Yeah, and it's, it's like a unifying in that we all breathe the same oxygen. Right rather than we all do the same thing. Nice. So it's a, nice. it's a unifying yeah. rather than a conforming. Um, and we all draw life from the same source. Right. Uh, and, and that's powerfully bringing together. Those so many of the other the images today. He's bringing <laughs> the metaphors, the bridge. And if we want to be a distinct Here people, we, we can breathe, breathe helium. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 
refraining of speaking in my helium voice. <laughs> well, I'm glad we dodged that one, man. And I think, and I think then we are people of grace, you know, because yeah. we realize it was Christ's work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we recognize that we are going to fail, and we're going to fail each other. We're going to fail ourselves. Um, and we can offer grace in that in that covenant. Yeah. Having received that, having yeah. been given that identity, we can extend it to others. Yeah. Which is it's pretty exciting in a sense that we become a community that walks with others who are being transformed by the Spirit with grace, recognizing that it is a Spirit transforms and that we don't have to fix people or transform people ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is really what moralism is about as well. Mm-hmm. So, so people in... We can walk with people in their own struggles with grace, and and that is a very unique posture, I think, in our culture. Sure. Uh, you know, I, always, I wonder too, and I, obviously I can't psychoanalyze Scott. I don't I don't know what he's thinking, but there's always like these shifts and pendulum kind of swings, and where it's all about doing, doing, and then all of a sudden it's like, no, it's God's work, and so we don't have to do anything, and maybe he's trying to. Well, we still have a role to play. I don't, you know, yeah, I don't yep. know what his motivation. I'm, I'm just guessing. But I would be with you on that. I think he's trying to, and it, and it was common, I, I think, in the emergent church as well. My experience of sort of that time frame was to go. <laughs> we we have all this orthodoxy, all this right belief, but where's our orthopraxy? Where yeah. what is our practice? We're not living it out, mm-hmm. right? And 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 I think he just honestly wrestles with that, you know, of going, what does this mean for us in practice without right. just being human doings but we are human beings <laughs> and, and not saying that that the church has always gotten it right but i think oh. sometimes in their assessment is you're not living it out in the way we think you ought to live it out sure right mm-hmm. yep. um and so you know and i invite those those statements because they challenge us to think and to reflect you know on um are we working out the implications of our uh, oneness with christ appropriately sure um, but there can also be a rush to judgment in that sometimes. That's, that's not Yeah, and mm-hmm. particularly if just below the surface of that rush to judgment is, well, I did it, and I'm right. You need to do it so you can be right. There can be that, and, and you know, we've all delivered it. We've all felt it, that kind of communication mm-hmm. beneath the communication that's just judgmental and self-righteous. And, and, I, and I, that, that would not be Scott. Yeah. I well, and you know him personally. So My wife had him as a professor in seminary, <laughs> so I got yeah. to know him a little bit. He's, it's been many, many years, but um, he, he, again, he's a great person. He has a genuine love for Christ and a genuine love for the church and a genuine desire to help the church and for Christians to figure out what does it mean to sure. follow yeah. Christ faithfully in this culture. Yep. So, yeah. Well, as we kind of uh, wrap it up t- uh, today, you know, I mean, when I think about implications that bridges into the next book we're going to be looking at is, you know, I, I look at what Paul says that we're ambassadors of Christ, right? Who mm-hmm. has reconciled yep. the world and given mm-hmm. us the ministry of reconciliation. And reconciliation only happens because of Christ, right? right? I mean, because of the atonement, because of what is what God has done. But we're going to talk about being messengers of that reconciliation, mm-hmm. right? And we That we carry that on. And we're going to talk about a book, uh, Reconciling All Things, uh, which was recommended to us by Luke Joyce, our, yep. our deacon for social justice and help me out with the language, Darwin. Oh, he's got a big, long title. Yeah. <laughs> and reconciliation, isn't it? Yeah, 
something yeah, along that line. Justice and reconciliation. We'll, but we'll have um, him. We'll have explain. to have him recite the title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> and we're going to try to get him him on if we can. So yeah. you know, yeah. twist, twist, and then join the conversation. But yeah, uh, yeah reconciling all things by Emmanuel Catangole uh, and Chris Rice, and it is its subheading is a Christian vision for justice, peace, and healing, and uh, that'll certainly again spark. Spark conversation. Um, we, we live in a world where we see a lot of conversation around what is justice. So again, the words we mean really, you know, carry a lot of weight mm-hmm. and yeah. what people mean by them. So, uh, but this time, this go round, Scott McKnight, uh, a community called Atonement. And, uh, you know, I'd probably recommend it to somebody who likes theology. You know, otherwise, if you're yeah. not into those more theological terms, it'll probably be a little tougher wrestle with. Uh, for you, yep. and uh, don't want to probably th- pin you. Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't want to throw you too deep in. <laughs> Buy it on Kindle, and then you can highlight the word and have your dictionary built in. But uh, no, the words we use, what we say, and uh, thanks for the conversation around that, uh, fellows, this week. And again, I'm Aaron. I'm Bill. I'm JB. I'm Darwin. <laughs> God's peace be with you. Fear and trembling. Bum, bum, bum. Here we go. I should probably talk like I'm not going to talk like that during the pipe. That's going to be the new intro. Bum, bum, bum.